your subconscious mind is a million times more powerful in decision-making than your conscious mind. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnell, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Hi, and welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you haven't already, take a moment, rate and review the podcast. Uh, I always appreciate it, and it also helps others find it. And I really love it if you take a moment and provide a comment. Tell me what you like about it. Tell me what you want to hear more of. Uh, I read everything and really appreciate them. Now, today's guest uh, is Tim Tamashiro. If you're uh, based here in Canada and you're a fan of the CBC, you may remember Tim as the host of Tonic, which was the national uh, Canadian jazz program that CBC put on. And he hosted that program from 2007 to 2017. Tim is uh, not only an accomplished radio host, but he's a, an entertainer, a performer, uh, passionate about jazz. And now he is the author of a book called How to Ikigai. And Ikigai is really something, it's a way of life around how to live your life's worth. And Tim kind of found that his passion was to spread the gospel of Ikigai to others. And I think the, the podcast that we have for you today is particularly relevant. COVID has challenged many people to rethink what they're passionate about. And for leaders, I think it's really crucial to understand what drives you, what inspires you, and how do you want to inspire others? And so it's a different kind of conversation, but one that I think is important for every leader to listen to who wants to stay connected or even develop a connection with what drives them. So enjoy my conversation with Tim Tamashiro. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me along for the ride. It's, Inspire. Yeah. I love the I love the name of the podcast. <laughs> it's very nice. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it, it it goes to what our business is, which is really you know inspirational communication, and I think what one of the things that you know uh, you know Tom from our team in Calgary brought us together, and mm -hmm. uh, Tom certainly inspired me uh, since joining us a couple of years ago. But the heart of what we do is helping people get to what they're passionate about, the ideas that they believe in, what inspires them so they can inspire through communication. And so when I heard about yeah. you and what how your journey has, has life journey has happened and watched your TED Talk, I thought we should have a conversation. Well, lovely. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe I'll let you talk a bit about that journey first. Tell me, how have you reached this point uh, in your life and what are you doing now? Okay, so um, I, I've not always been uh, privy to this wonderful concept of ikigai, but I've always felt it. Uh, maybe I'll just start off with uh, what the definition of ikigai is, and then uh, we'll have a clear idea of where we're going for. Ikigai is a philosophy that comes from Okinawa, Japan. 
And uh, that's where my paternal grandparents were born. They were born on a tiny little island called Hamahiga Island. It's only a, like a postage stamp. It is so tiny. And right in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the ocean. So, but ikigai came along in uh, in Okinawa as a as a means to be able to live a fulfilling life. Uh, it was basically uh, brought brought up by uh, these lovely divers, women divers, who would go out into the ocean every day and dive down to the bottom of the ocean and and uh, collect food, uh, sea cucumbers, oysters, uh, things along those lines. And they really, really loved what they did. So uh, they uh, loved that they could communicate, they could enjoy each other's company, and they could provide for their village, and they really felt good for doing that. So they came up with a phrase for what they uh, for what they were doing every day. They called it ikikai, which is actually life in a shell, life's hmm. shell. Yeah, and uh, uh, it obviously tied to their own uh, uh, profession. But that word uh, morphed into ikigai, which means life's worth. And it's been a central part of the Okinawa uh, life experience for a couple thousand years now. Wow. Uh, uh, essentially, what ikigai means is that there's four directions that, uh, that distinguish what each person's ikigai is. You do what okay. you love, do what you're good at, do what the world needs, and do what you can feel rewarded for. So uh, it's that confluence of all hmm. four of those little directions uh, how they all kind of come together. That is the special task or the, the special work that you can do every day that is worthwhile for you. And I, I like so, how much more complete that definition is than the kind of platitude we hear a lot of, which is, you know, do what you love and everything will work out. And it's, mm-hmm. that's only one, it's only one fourth of it, right? Because no one will pay you for it. If no one needs it. And by the way, if you're not good at it, it's really not going to work out for you. <laughs> That that is exactly it, you know. And, and passion is so much different than purpose. In that, you know, you might be really, really passionate about uh, old uh, old time country music songs from the nineteen twenties. That might be something that you mm. really, really love. But if you don't know how to play a guitar or you can't sing or whatever the case, that that definitely does not provide you with a, right. a meaningful existence. Uh, but you still love it. <laughs> but right. purpose is something completely different. Mm. So uh, to get back to your question uh, about where it kind of came up for now that people kind of understand what ikigai is. My own journey in Ikigai started when I was about 20 years old. I, at the time, I was working on uh, the highways for Alberta Transportation. I was a survey technician back in those days. Bart, I was making $8 an hour <laughs> doing that. Living and this a good is in life. the mid-1980s. That was actually a, a really healthy wage. Right. And uh, so what I was out there doing that uh, every day and... But it wasn't really all that fulfilling for Mm. me. And I remember laying in bed one morning on the weekend, uh, catching up on a little bit of sleep. And I woke up and I thought to myself, gosh, what is it about this good living am I not enjoying? You know, I mean, is this what life is supposed to be all about? Is just making a good wage and just looking forward to the weekends, not really having any passion in life? And I thought to myself, I wonder if it's even possible to do what I love and, and to do something that I really, really enjoy and something that I'm good at outside 
of being a survey technician. And then it just kind of dawned on me that, that I wanted to start following my passion for music and I was good at it. And so that's what I decided to do. And that's really been my philosophy all throughout my entire life is to always make sure that I'm doing something that I love and that I'm good at. And uh, so that's taken me all sorts of directions. You know, it's been, uh, I've been in the music business now for gosh, 30 35 years and it's taken me from from work as a as a major record label rep you know was working with guns and roses and peter Hmm. gabriel and all these big acts uh for mca records back in the 90s and i've been a jazz singer and a radio host and it's always been really really super interesting because i followed what it is that i love to do and what i'm good at and did you have this concept of ikikai even back then, or is this a, a more recent um, kind of clarity of thinking that's emerged or structural framework? It is, a, it is a clarity of thinking now because only about seven years ago, as I was uh, sitting on the couch uh, one Sunday afternoon preparing to have a lovely Sunday afternoon snooze. <laughs> Seems like a common theme. The, the Sunday, uh, Sunday morning sleep is when your yeah. epiphanies happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just sort of in between slumber and, yes. uh, and real life. But uh, so I was looking for some sort of a television program that was just interesting enough, but just boring enough to kind of let me fall asleep and not worry mm-hmm. about having to see what happened on it. And that particular day, I landed on, on a, a design, a furniture design competition show of all things. And uh, this particular episode had these three designers all competing uh, for who made the best Chesterfield or couch. That's a that's a Canadian word, isn't it? Yes, Chesterfield. Yes, that's right. And one uh, one contestant made this super hip looking kind of bachelor pad couch. It had these four circles embroidered into each section, each one of three sections on the couch. And the design was four circles, kind of set up in a diamond shape pattern. And so there's one at the top and then two on the sides and then one at the bottom. And they all kind of came together in a confluence in the middle. And the host asked him what that design was. And he said, that is the design for something called Ikigai. It means living your life's purpose. And I, so this piqued my interest. Uh, I looked it up immediately online without knowing how to spell it. Uh, it's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I, by the way, for, for your listeners. And so I looked it up, and I, that's when I realized that it came from Okinawa and that it was all about life's purpose. And so there was something in my heart at that moment that went, oh, my goodness, I have been living this ikigai way my entire lifetime. I wonder if it's in my DNA since my grandparents came from Okinawa. So it just... It, it made sense that this was something that was going to be uh, a powerful, uh, I guess, director in my life. And that's when I really started delving into it uh, deeper and deeper in earnest and, and studying the connections that Ikigai has uh, in a healthy way for well-being. And if there's psychological benefits for uh, living, doing what you love and doing what you're good at. And, uh, and I came to realize that this is something that I needed to explore uh, deeper. So that's when I left CBC and, and started studying Ikigai in earnest. So you, you left CBC and basically without a new career 
invested yourself in in this study? That's a bold That's move. That's right. It is a bold move. You know, don't don't get me wrong. We I saved up for it and had some mm-hmm. really nice discussions with my wife about it. <laughs> but at the time, at the time, I was fifty one years old. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I had that uh, cherished ten and a half year career with CBC that mm-hmm. I really really enjoyed. But I also realized that I'm 51. You know, I'm young enough to be able to mm-hmm. go out there to reinvent to, yourself and still. to reinvent myself, but to also uh, find more fulfillment and more meaning in uh, taking on that bold move. That was would have to be something that I would have to study full time. So uh, I I dove into it uh, and decided that for the first year, my tasks would be to explore and zero in and ponder what my uh, ikigai is. And what did you conclude? I came to a conclusion that ikigai is uh, an action that we can do on a regular basis that is fulfilling to us, but is also beneficial to the world. So when I say action, then that means it has to be a verb. Uh, and it's something that we can do consistently every day. In my particular case, Bart, my ikigai is to delight. And I can delight in a variety of ways. I can tell stories, and I can sing songs, and I can uh, share a lovely conversation with somebody on the street as I'm walking my dog, but I can also uh, delight the, the clerk at the grocery store, and I can do it, hopefully, for you and your audience on this podcast. This is just something that I do naturally, and that is something that I love to do, I'm good at. Yeah, I, the world can benefit from it, and I can feel uh, rewarded by doing it. Does that mean I'm always paid to do it? No, but sometimes I am. I, and that I, is the I, I, most Is this a bad time to, to tell you that we don't pay guests to come on the podcast? That's, that's, <laughs> this, and this is, this is absolutely fine because I'm, am doing I'm, to have I'm doing my easy guy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I just love the simplicity of what you concluded that your ikigai is to delight. I mean, that's, it's simple, but it's, it's so compelling. And, and I, I think I need to really uh, emphasize the fact though, that the only way that I was able to kind of come down to that and, mm-hmm. and to recommend to others that uh, their ikigai is in action as well is to really uh, go through those three steps hmm. of uh, exploring, zeroing in, and then pondering what it is uh, that that I'm good at and what I love to do. And this is kind of what you just, to continue the story, this is kind of what you do now, right? You've, you've written a book on this, you give talks, you're almost like an ikigai coach for people. Is that a fair descriptor? Per se, yeah. Uh, and, and perhaps I would even go as far as to say an introducer hmm. because this is, this is such a uh, uh, new concept to the Western world that this is something that still requires a lot of explanation. You know, we've been on our on our talk now for fifteen minutes or so, and and I've only now just kind of gotten to the essence of what ikigai can be right. for uh, for people if you choose to be able to go out there and to to d- uh, dig around for it. So, one of the challenges I guess in life is that is that you know we we teach our children to go to school and to get good grades and to follow the rules and to do what adults tell them to do or guide them to do. And then at 17 or 18 years old, they uh, graduate from high school 
And then the first question we ask them as adults is, so what are you going to do now? <laughs> right. And that is such a difficult question to ask somebody of that age, because I guarantee you every single one of those uh, graduates or people of that age, they're just taking a guess. That's it. Right. It's, it's, it's really hard to, to believe that they're going to get it right, you know? Their work at that time of their life is to explore the world and, and to explore their world, to scratch all the desires and to try to figure out ways that they can really uh, invest their time so that they can, they can either say yes to this or no to that and to narrow it down, you know? So that's the explore part. Mm. Uh, the zero in part is, you know, once they're getting... 23, 24, they've done a lot of experiences. Maybe they've even traveled or, and opened up their minds that way. Now they're starting to zero in on the things that they don't want to do, right? And But they're also definitely narrowing in on the things that they do want to do. Mm-hmm. And then the step after that is to ponder, uh, to let the power of your subconscious mind help you make the decision that you need to make hmm. that is good for you. And, you know, you're your subconscious mind is a million times more powerful in decision-making than your conscious mind. And that is not just a, a random number. That is a fact. You know, there's lots of studies out there that show that your subconscious mind is absolutely the most powerful tool uh, for making decisions and, and to commit to decisions uh, uh, that a, a human being has. So that process of explore, zero in, and ponder is something that we really, really, really uh, can benefit our children in doing. And then they can choose and decide whether they want to go to university or they want to chase a degree or they want to chase something that is uh, in the world. But that whole process is something that we can all do at different points in our life. If, If graduates can take a gap year to go and to try some of these things out, to explore zero in and ponder, then there's also the potential for adults to take a gap year and to have that exact same experience. Uh, I call it an icky gap year <laughs> so, that, so that you can really uh, find some stuff that is really interesting for you and you can explore zero and ponder on what your icky guy is. I, I'd like a gap year. <laughs> right? I've been at it for 20, uh, 20 years. So, no, I mean, I think it's, but, it, but I, I'm saying this half jokingly, but I think, you know, when I think about people listening who are probably deep in their careers, uh, maybe they're super energized by their career, maybe they're not, maybe they're thinking about taking that step. How would you advise them to explore zero in ponder if, for example, they have a mortgage or they have a job that, mm-hmm. and they have commitments? What would your guidance to them be? Well, the, the, the reality is, is that we all have basic needs. And if you look at uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which, which is a, a pyramid that is, uh, describes the basic needs of a human being on a, on a, on a daily basis, that, you know, this information is offered in any introductory uh, psychology class in university level, or you can just find out about it online. But the basic level of Maslow's hierarchy of need is that needs is that you're going to need food and shelter, and you're going to need stability and safety, and you're going to need uh, connection. And uh, you'd have to take care of those things. So in other words, you have to be safe and you have to have money in the bank in order to be able to save up to be able to utilize taking care of that uh, one year so that you can uh, 
you know, start zeroing in and exploring, zeroing in and pondering. Uh, so my first suggestion is save up for it, plan for it. There are lots of organizations that will allow you to be able to do that. I know even at CBC, there was a, there was a, a plan where you could work for four, work hard for four, and you could take the fifth year off, you know, sabbatical. Um, so these are, this is a beneficial task uh, or, or endeavor to take on if that is something that is going to help you become more fulfilled. Uh, but the, uh, the reality is, is that you still have bills to pay. But we have a tendency as adults to make that the most important thing and not get to the points uh, above the food and shelter and safety and security and all those other types of things where an, an ego where we work on ourselves. Uh, Self-actualization, by the way, is the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, we, we take care of the first four levels every single day, at the, uh, uh, but every single day we don't take care of self-actualization because we've done the basics. We, don't, we haven't gone past that. So what advice would you give to someone who says, okay, I'm ready to explore. Either I've taken a sabbatical or I'm going to dedicate some time each week to that exploration. How should they go about doing that? Well, first off, that means basically just starting off by making a list. You know, I suggest, I suggest people literally just sit down and, and think about it. What type of, have you ever wanted to learn cello? <laughs> you know, have you ever, have, were you, what were you doing as a child that you miss so much that you would like to do that again? Uh, is there a course at university that you've always wanted to take? Have you, uh, do you have a passion for art? Do you want to invest yourself more into cooking skills? All sorts of different things that, that uh, you might be interested in. Make a list of those types of things. And, uh, and you know, my suggestion is to then just put them onto a, uh, onto post-it notes and stick them up on a spare wall someplace and start knocking them off one by one. And to really go out there and scratch all the itches that you've ever wanted to scratch. This is something we don't do, you know? We, we have a tendency as human beings to kind of go, oh, I've always wanted to go to Bora Bora. Or I've always wanted to go to, to uh, uh, jump on a plane and go to Yellowknife and see what it's like up there in the winter and see the Northern Lights. But we never but go. We have, we, but you never go. That's exactly it. Um, those are absolutely essential experiences for you to be able to start figuring out what your ikigai is. And then what will tell you once you begin this exploration, let's say you, know, you spend a year trying things, going places, what are the signs to you that you found your ikigai? So once you've uh, gotten the chance to get, explore and to try out a whole bunch of new things and you know what stuff you want to do again, uh, then start asking yourself, what is it that uh, I'm doing that I'm enjoying that can benefit others? So ikigai often described as uh, something that is made into two halves. The first half is I literally call half ikigai, and it's all about you. What do you love and what are you good at? It's, those two questions are absolutely impossible for most people to answer. Uh, but this explore and zero in and ponder process helps you get there and to get answers for that. The second half of ikigai is uh, how do I benefit the world and how can I be rewarded by doing that? 
So that's all about them, <laughs> right? What, what is it that I'm doing and what is it they, they will give me in order to be able to say, thank you, do it again. So it's like a cycle. In that, uh, in that exploration of the things that you love to do and what, you, what you're good at, once you start identifying those things, you'll start seeing that if you do those things on a regular basis, those actions on a regular basis, the world starts going, hey, you're good at that. Hey, thanks. Can you help me with this? You can... Uh, uh, so it's really, uh, it's really an interesting process to go through because ultimately, in the, in the perfect world, it would be so that you could go, oh, you know what? My, my life is absolutely wonderful because I figured out what my ikigai right. is. It might be to build, to heal, to nurture, to teach, to inspire, to, to uh, uh, oh gosh, there's so many different, right. different ikigai. To care for someone, to lead. But to care, to lead, right. all sorts of different ikigais. Interestingly enough, for a lot of business people especially, their ikigai is literally to build. Hmm. I certainly feel yeah. that's mine. You know, when yeah. I look at I've always been driven to grow, to build the company, and, and not just build the company from a financial standpoint, but more importantly, to build a team of people who share my passion, to build relationships with clients, to build programs. And that's what energizes me, the feeling of having built something, having progressed, having created another level on the the uh, the cake, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to have had people who have, you know, I think about the half, I, I guess I'm, I am somewhat good at it. I, I love it. Yeah. And the world seems to value it. So maybe that is my ikigai uh, is to build. Well, you've you've just nailed the, uh, the ikigai lesson down to a uh, to a to a, a, a beautiful synopsis. Because hmm. when I said to build, you know, most people's brains might be able to kind of go, "Oh, is he going to build houses? He's going to build highways? Is he going to build?" Uh, uh, fences. The reality right. is, build is an is a verb that 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 has many many connotations to it. So as mm-hmm. you said, you know, you build relationships, you build a a, a team framework, mm-hmm. you build great experiences for your customers, you build your business, you help your customers build their business. You know, right. I mean, this is, to build is the, the most beautiful uh, ikigai. Thank you, uh, especially <laughs> for business leaders. And that's something that I that I really really promote uh, hmm. business leaders to think about is that if that is what your real passion is, then concentrate on that and get outside of all the other rigmarole that, right. that comes, which with can drain business. you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, ultimately, what it boils down to is is something called uh, job crafting, because it's ultimately it's saying, okay, Bart, I know that you're good at people things. So concentrate on the people things. Don't worry about the accounting. Right. Uh, farm that out. Uh, this is all strengths stuff, right? Right. Concentrate on just those types of things and craft your job to do just only your ikigai. And mm. that's it. So it's, a, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. It is. So, Tim, this has been very interesting. Let me switch to getting some advice from you on, for people listening uh, on communication. When you work with people who have this clarity of Ikigai, how do you see them communicate differently, either in the workplace or in their lives? Are there, are there some common themes that you've identified? I find that the people who understand what their Ikigai is, even though they might not identify it as Ikigai, mm-hmm. they, just, they just do more of themselves. 
Hmm. You know, if there's a battle cry that I would that I would have in the world of Ikigai, I would just suggest do more you. Hmm. Literally, so it seems do more... more you. Uh, I have a, a, a friend whose name is Angela Knight, and she's a wonderful uh, broadcaster here in CBC. And she is uh, the morning show co-host here on the CBC Eye Opener radio program every morning. And on paper, her job looks like that. It says, you are okay. the co-host and the, your tasks every day is to ensure that you study the traffic flow and you report mm-hmm. it to the people within the community and that you might you understand weather and you can report that as well and mm-hmm. have meaningful conversations with the, with the guests, et cetera, et cetera. That on paper is exactly what okay. her quote-unquote job is. Her ikigai, though, in all honesty, mm-hmm. is to volunteer. Hmm. She loves to, to volunteer. So Angela Knight has, uh, has uh, created something here in uh, Calgary called the CBC Do Crew. And even though it has nothing to do with her actual job description, what she's done is she's used the power of the airwaves to be able to say, Calgary, I'm going to talk to you every day, but I want to set up a little volunteer organization here through CBC, and we would like you to come and help us out uh, building homes for Habitat or maybe doing right. some community gardening or helping out at a, at a fun run or whatever the case. So she asks these people to come in and to do this, and this allows her to job craft and to be able to do the stuff that she's passionate about and that she's really, really good at and to include it in her actual job. She is job crafting. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. And this is something that that bosses especially can do uh, because you have the flexibility to be able to do the types of things that you're passionate about that that you love to do. You can either add another task that you're really, really good at to your workflow or you can reduce your uh the jobs that you do at at the office to maximize your workflow so it's really the what i'm hearing is that once you have clarity of your ikigai you can reshape the places and areas you spend your time and that will result in more authentic uh genuine communication you won't have to work at it because it'll be you aligning what you're passionate about and what the world needs is that is that fair you, uh, you have absolutely nailed it. Uh, and uh, to cite another example, if I can just uh, use my yeah, own please. example. When I wake up in the morning, Bart, I know mm-hmm. my only work that I have to do is, is just to delight. Hmm. I That's like it. it. That's all I have to do. And, and it's going to be something I'm good at and that I love. And the world needs it. And mm-hmm. I'm going to get thank yous out of that. And you know what? I get paid to do it. Yeah, now you get paid too. So you really uh, split the atom, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just on the, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've been doing some Christmas shows where I got to delight people and get hmm. paid for it. And uh, same will happen in January, February, March. I'll go on a, on a tour, uh, a music tour, and, and I delight people and I get paid for it. Hmm. And then I'm going out and doing speeches for Tech Canada on a, on a regular basis. I mm-hmm. go there and I talk to business leaders and I tell them about Ikigai and I get paid to do it. Right. And, and everyone's so, delighted. <laughs> and that's exactly it. And I just going out there and delight and, and, uh, and it pays off for, for everybody. Tim, just this has been, <laughs> been tremendously uh, insightful. Uh, you know, first of all, kudos to you for having the courage to step away to go through that explore zero in ponder and then to just hear 
how the clarity it's given you has really led to a very meaningful life. If there was mm-hmm. one piece of advice you'd give to people listening, uh, what would it be? It would be that you have only one life to live. And you can measure that life based on financial security, or you can measure that life, uh, your life based on fulfillment. Or you could do a little bit of both. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's ultimately what it boils down to, you know. We can, uh, we can believe that we can defer fulfillment until retirement. Mm-hmm. We can gamble on the fact that maybe we can buy fulfillment later. Right. One day but I'll do it. This, one day I'll do it. But in reality, today is the only day you have. Mm. And tomorrow you'll have today all over again. The day after mm. that you'll have today all over again. This is a decreasing asset. Mm. If we base our lives on financial fulfillment right. uh, or financial well-being and forget about fulfillment and purpose, then, then we're just letting the asset melt away. Right your life asset. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so seize the day and figure out what's really going to make you happy. Seize the day. Do more you. That's, that's the battle cry. Ikigai is all about just making sure that you do things that are fulfilling and, and, and wonderful for you and the world uh, so that it can be as, as meaningful as possible every single day. Don't bet. Don't take that gamble that you'll be able to buy it later. You know, you know, I made that point that, you know, I was 51 years old when I made that choice to leave CBC. It hasn't been financially a, a financial windfall for me, but it's been extraordinarily fulfilling. And you know what? I'll, 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 I can do this for the rest of my life. Absolutely do this for the rest of my life. So there is no word for retirement in Japanese, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there is no Japanese word for retirement. So with Ikigai, just do you and you won't have to retire. Right. Start today. And, that, and that's pretty inspiring. And, and as are you. And so, yeah, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. I, I just looked up the time. I'm like, I can't believe we've spoken for 45 minutes here. But you're, uh, <laughs> you're obviously very good at what you do and how you tell the story and, and how authentic it is. So congratulations on finding your ikigai. And for those who are listening who want to read more, the book is How to Ikigai. I'm assuming it's available on Amazon. It is available on Amazon, and the audiobook comes out on December 24th. So by the time people are listening to this, it will already yeah. be there. So go forth in the key guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bart. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tim Tamashiro. These days, we have the opportunity, and I think the imperative as leaders, to take a step back and really figure out what drives us and what we're passionate about. And I think Tim's got some great lessons. I encourage you to check out his TED Talk, How to Ikigai. And he's got a few other videos, like uh, how to find your purpose and passion in life in in your 20s that are well uh, well worth your watch. Next time on the Inspire Podcast, I bring on Martin Wa. And Martin is one of the most courageous people who I've had the pleasure of speaking with a former Canadian Forces veteran 
she fought for an apology. She was part of a group who fought for an apology for the systematic purging of LGBTQ plus people from the military. And she got it uh, on behalf of so many who had suffered. And she joins me to tell her story and the many more things she did to champion and speak out for those who um, she knew should not have to live with shame. So it's a story of courage and leadership and the importance of speaking up for inclusion. So join me next time for that important conversation. Until then, may all your words be inspiring.